Hesedim is a series of reflection, usually reflecting on an issue in the society in the light of the words of scripture. You're welcome to join us each time and to send your questions or comments by way of a voice note. Look forward to hearing you and speaking with you. I'm speaking to you today on the subject of righteousness and the idea of building a culture of the practice of righteousness. Once again, I'm drawing your attention to the Sermon on the Mount by Jesus in Matthew's Gospel. Having set the minimum standard for his followers to surpass the righteousness of the Pharisees and teachers of the law, Jesus goes on to say mm. further, You have heard that it was said, Do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, gorge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. These words of Jesus combine to include references to both the seventh commandment, do not commit adultery, and the tenth commandment, you shall not covet. The idea of looking at a woman lustfully as committing adultery both broadens and deepens the concept of righteousness. It means that what Jesus has in mind for us includes what is happening in the very private innermost chamber of our minds. There is nothing more private than our thoughts, yet our obligations to engage the practice of righteousness and to build a culture of the practice of righteousness includes a demand on what goes on in our innermost thoughts and mind. Jesus goes on to talk about battle, the, the battle beginning in our own bodies, what we do with our eyes and hands, and suggests that those committed to the practice of righteousness are prepared to make no excuses for themselves and will hold themselves personally accountable for the maintenance of the practice of righteousness no matter what. That is a very high standard to make righteousness uh, meat and drink no matter what. To pluck your eye out or cut off your hand if they impair the practice of righteousness is a high standard indeed. This is challenging nowadays. We have to contend with entire industries built on creating new needs and orienting our consciousness to our personal desires as the ultimate arbiters and the masters of our lives. Jesus says, if your eye causes you to sin, gorge it out and throw it away. In this way, it means 
that we are our masters and should not allow what we see and what we want to rule over mm. us and to determine the courses of our lives. So the practice of righteousness goes further and deeper into our innermost private chambers, requiring the total engagement of our total person. The practice of righteousness means that it is not everything that we want that is good and that is good for us and that not everything that we want that is right and is right for us. The practice of righteousness means that we will therefore learn to have measures by which we determine what is right and what is good. We will accept that there are boundaries that includes the rights of others that includes what contributes to the ultimate goodness and to the common good in the society. The practice of righteousness includes a struggle and that struggle begins in mm. ourselves, our own bodies, by refusing to do things, even things we want and things we want to do. The practice of righteousness involves a struggle that may cost us dearly and personally. This goes against what is being promoted and what we are being told that we should not have to struggle and that there is gain without pain. And that as long as we want it, we should have it. Jesus twice talks about hell in this passage in order to say that without the practice of righteousness, the future holds terrifying prospects and we are on a pathway that leads to dangerous and horrendous outcomes. All of this potentially begins with what we see and want that we should not have. He says, but I tell you, whoever looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. What is Jesus saying about the practice of righteousness? First, he's saying, that we ought not to object, objectify our fellow human being. We should not reduce people to be mere things. We rob people of their agency when what we see of them and portray them as mere things. That we lost, this is what loss does. It reduces a person to be a mere body an object of desire. There are too many songs and popular sayings that rob people, including people who rob themselves of their personhood and of their humanity. They make themselves into sex toys. Jesus is saying that as a person, you are more than merely a body. Never think of yourself or allow others to think of you and speak of you and treat you as merely a body. You are a person of inestimable worth. When we start objectifying people, we will soon commodify them. So the practice of righteousness, secondly, refuses to commodify persons. It is one thing to be made into a mere object. It is another to be made into a commodity, to exist only for the pleasure or the satisfaction of others. You are not clothes to be worn or food to be eaten. There 
are causes and consequences. There are partnerships to be built. You have ideas of your own to contribute. You have needs and plans of your own. Do not allow anyone to reduce you as a thing. Do not allow people to treat you as a mere thing to be used and refused and then discarded like rubbish. The practice of righteousness gives agency, not merely instrumentality to people. This is one of the verdicts that we have arrived at with elections in which voters can be bought for cash, voting for hire as if they have no mind of their own. This reduces the democracy and puts us as a society on a slippery slope. The future holds terrifying prospects and we have embarked on a pathway that is horrendous and dangerous when this happens. Our women are not mere commodities to be purchased like harbor dash like items mm. in a harbor dashery. Our people are not just trinkets to be purchased. It is as if all these years later we have returned our people to the auction block where they were traded like chattel. The practice of righteousness does not only refuse to objectify people and to turn them into mere bodies, and it does not merely refuse to commodify people, including our women, and to treat them as objects of desire to be consumed without considering the causes and the consequences. It also refuses to undignify, to indignify persons. The text suggests that if you look at a woman lustfully, that is to see her only as the object of your sexual satisfaction. You have committed adultery with her in your heart. This implies that she's a married woman, though it is not restricted to that alone. It implies that you have disregarded her honor and her obligation. You have not given due regard or due thought to any implication or requirement about who she is in the totality of her person. It therefore means that ultimately you have reduced her and stripped her of her dignity all before you have uttered a single word to her. It is the honor and dignity of our people that is a most contested thing in our society. Those of us who protest about the ways things are handed down to our people and the way our people are treated are like voices crying in the wilderness. The practice of righteousness is an abiding commitment to the protection of the honor and dignity of our people. The honor and dignity of a fellow human being begins with what happens in our minds when we see them, what we tell ourselves about them. This is borne out and illustrated time and time again in the experience of black and brown peoples and the way they are treated by the systems of our great neighbor to the north of us. Whenever they see someone, the first thing they see is their race and the requirements for their dignity decrease if they are black or brown. Similarly, we must not allow ourselves the luxury of treating our women folk and in general our fellow human beings in a manner that pays scant regard for their honor and dignity. In this regard, we have a lot of work to do in this society. 
and our work will require us to actively counter and to be conscious of the dominant tendencies in our society that rob and belittle people of their dignity and the dignity of a class of human being in our society. One of the things we will have to work to rid ourselves of in our culture, we're going to build, if we're going to build a culture of the practice of righteousness, is to reject the industries built on body shaming. There are too many people made to feel less than and made to feel unworthy because of how they look. To look at a woman lustfully is to already be trapped into a worldview that is very bodily, that gives a value to one look over another and to validate a human being based on looks alone. This is a cruel society to be in if you look different from the majority, whether you are slim or fat. We create nicknames for people that body shames them. We, we discriminate based on color in this society. Some people are thought not to have the front page appearance, and this has led them to doubt themselves all of their lives. They feel that they do not look good enough and looks are such a minuscule part of the makeup of a human person. There is much more to a human being than how they look. The other thing that we have to counter if we are going to deepen the culture of the practice of righteousness in our society is how sexualized we are in our language and images. Frankly speaking, some of what passes for advertising and lyrics in our music are downright offensive. It is, be it is beneath the honor and dignity of our women and of our people. We are reducing ourselves as human beings and promoting animal and bestial tendency as if it is worthy of us as human beings. The practice of righteousness will not grow simply because of the passage of time or by some majority instinct. It has to be inculcated and trained and ingrained. It has to be nuanced and carefully taught. In other words, we have to be deliberate about it. This is why Jesus taught his disciples that their righteousness had to exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees and teachers of the law. The practice of righteousness is something you think about and struggle for. You have to think about the dominant ethos and how conduct and behavior are being shaped by the language and image of the society you live in. You have to make up your mind to reject that dominant culture and chart a path for the society you live. For the sake of the whole, including our women. We have to reject body shaming and sexualized language and image that reduces people to mere objects and commodities and robs them of their dignity and honor. We have to create a space for people to thrive as human beings with their honor and dignity intact. We have to... And anything else puts the future at risk. Puts, on, puts us on a slippery slope. Let us ensure we have higher standards. We do not reduce our people or use people or savage their honor and dignity. 
by how we see them. Let us sustain the practice of righteousness for Jesus' sake. Amen. Mm.